this, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. Today we're talking about AI. We had a chat about AI and tech and safety a long time ago, and you guys loved it. And we bumped into another company at the Expo this year, and we were like, hmm, these are interesting. We need to talk about AI again. It's a space that's rapidly growing around the world. It's still relatively young, but when it comes to safety, it's practically a newborn. So we definitely need to have more conversation about it, and that's what we're going to do today. Let's jump into the intro, and I'll tell you some more about the problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit subscribe follow and all of those button things uh, my name is james i am the host and i'm from the amazing risk fluent so today we're going to talk about ai i find it really funny that in all of like the new safety future of safety conversations no matter who's doing it no one's talking about tech no one's talking about how is technology going to help us do our job how are we going to evolve around the technology? How are we going to utilize it? Are we competent to utilize it? Um, I was in a conversation for a project meeting the other day and Peter Jenkins said, um, you know, what are the things we need to talk about? And one of the things that came up um, were IT literacy and, and kind of data literacy and stuff like that. Like, are we competent to be able to deal with the way the world's going? So when we bumped into a company doing AI stuff in safety at the expo, we were like, yeah, let's have a chat. So we had a bit of a chat at the expo. I was like, these guys are interesting. And uh, we thought, come on over, come on over to the podcast. Let's get into it. So we've got the CEO of a company that is innovating in this space and it's in safety as well. So we thought we'd get them and ask as many questions as we could. Let's jump into the conversation and we'll find out some more from Dan Hobbs. Dan, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks, Jay. Thanks. Well, it's been a bit hectic, on So uh, people have probably picked up on the vibe already, like something's happened before you press with Yeah. How are you, mate? You good? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah we're we're we're, uh, we're we're pretty busy these days, but it's uh it's nice having a, a good team around us because we can you know share the burden or share the share mm. the fun uh, as we go along. So so no kind of complaint. My my team are out today taking looking after our daughter. So selfish of 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 Shelley. <sighs> out Gosh. looking after our daughter, taking her swimming, going out for lunch. Whilst I'm running around, I'm going to shove a bagel down my throat for lunch before the next call. Ridiculous. Yeah, you should, you should have a talk with her or, or just, you know. Uh, I think we need a p- performance review. If I'm I was right. going to say, I was like, did you do your, your, your six monthly or quarterly reviews yet? How do you do them? Well, it all went downhill when our accountant says it'd probably be a good idea to make Sherry a director of the company and, and a 50% owner. But now, now I can't give her too much of a performance review, and I can't really sack her either because she's no. she's equal now, which is horrible. Um, but I do feel like I get performance reviewed quite a lot. So this is it's flipped on its head here, Dan. But you know what? I had I had a really good chat with my dad on, um, on this, and he said, you know, it, it can get lonely at the top, 
mm. uh, for sure. So it's important that, you know, especially with, with, with the founders like yourselves, give each other a pat on the back. Like me and my co-founder, we do a, we do co-founder appreciation WhatsApp text to each other. Just out of the blue. But it, but it's it's a good way of uh, of uh, of just getting recognition because everybody wants recognition. Everybody you know likes to be said, "Hey, you're doing a great job here." So that's yeah. a, it's an important thing to have. I really like that. I really like that. Sherry's going to edit this podcast, so keep that in mind. Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the good bits. It'll just be the fifty percent thing. <laughs> uh, no, to be fair, we we do support, but I quite like I quite like that idea. I run another business, like a community for safety professionals. And there's two of us that have founded that. And um, that's something I might bring up with, with him, actually, and say, yeah. we should, we should, we should, he should text me more, is what I yeah. want. I don't really give a shit about appreciating him. No, I do. I do. Have <laughs> <laughs> to. It's a two-way street. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, mate, let's, let's get into it. So we're going to talk about essentially AI in, in safety because of what, what you guys do. So normally what I would do is say at the end of the podcast, kind of give the company a plug and stuff like that, and we'll still do that. Um, but because we're going to talk about essentially what you guys do, I, I think it might be worth you kind of talking, just quickly giving us an introduction to kind of what you do, um, and then it will make sense as to why we're having this conversation with you in a way. Does that that make yeah. sense? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, so my name my name is Dan Hobbs, and I'm the CEO of of Protex AI. Uh, so we use camera software to identify danger before people get hurt. Um, and I guess the reason why we're doing what we're doing, which we'll, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, is that uh, safety. And I think when people look from outside of of, of the world of, of safety, it, it can it can look like it's a department or a team, which it is. But it's also behavior and a culture, mm. um, and and because it's a behavior, um, it, it's something that there's there's an outcome to it, as uh, a behavior. So uh, safety until now it has been, in, and true no one's fault their own, quite reactive, where we got to wait to see something before we can, uh, like an injury or whatnot, before we can say, hey, we got to do something about that. Um, so what we do with, with Protex is we use this camera software and computer vision and AI mm. uh, to identify the behaviors that lead to accidents, so that you can stop the behaviors from happening rather than actually wait for someone to get hurt. Yeah. And uh, how, how I came across you and your team and what you guys are doing is we, we met at the expo and Elisa, um, uh, who is probably our biggest fan or a listener, I think she might hate being called a fan, actually. It does feel a bit uncomfortable to say fan. The, our most regular listener, to the point where if we don't put something out on a Monday, she sometimes texts me and saying, yeah. what, what's going on? Like, where's, uh, where's the podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, and she came out and I respect Elisa's uh, opinion on things. I, I, I got a lot of time for her. She'll hate me bigging her up on the podcast um, and paying her a compliment. But she came over and she was like, oh, you've got to talk to these guys. So I was like, oh, if Elisa's saying that, then I need to either, this could go either way. Either she loves what you're doing or she hates what you're doing and wants me to have a look and, <laughs> and agree that she hates what you're doing. So yeah. I was expecting to either walk around the corner and go, oh my God, what is this? Or go around the corner and go, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, mm. And it was the, the latter, not the, the not the first. <laughs> good, good, glad to hear. Just to- <laughs> that would have that that set up for a really bad podcast if it was the former, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or a really entertaining podcast. Or entertaining. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then, yeah, we ended up having a have a chat about it, and um, and and that's kind of what sparked this conversation. And um, 
And I I know there's a few things we, we're going to try and talk about, but essentially it is about like the place of tech and, and AI, particularly in the future of safety. And to be frank, I don't think we as, safe, as a safety professionals and the people maybe that are trying to talk about like better ways, new ways of doing safety, include tech in a conversation anywhere near enough, like mm. at all. Um, and there might be a couple of reasons for that. Um, but where... I want to kind of start off maybe on like the really big, the big question or issue for me um, is when we have, when I have seen AI and, and similar types of tech as what you're doing come into the, the sector, it's normally just another stick to whack the worker with, which was the first conversation that we had at the expo. Mm. And I was like, Look, I'll be frank with you guys. This is my concern that we're going to install what you're doing, not utilize it for what it could be utilized for and the amazing stuff it could do and just use it for another stick to whack the worker. That's mm. my big concern with AI. Um, so I kind of like put that there because I think maybe I think we'd definitely come back onto that. Um, but I thought it might be worth maybe starting with like from a perception of yourself. Um, wh- why did you pick AI and look at safety and go, yeah, as a kind of entrepreneur, that that's where we're going with this. Like you could have gone to sport, you mm-hmm. could have gone to any cool sector out there and had an amazing life in such a cool job. And you decided to come to safety uh, to do your AI. So like, what, what was that? What did you see that was missing maybe, or, or saw that we, we could benefit from what you guys are doing? Sure. Yeah. I guess for context, before I even like chat about it or anything like that uh, in the safety world, I do not have a safety background, nor does anybody in the company have a safety background just to state that. So I'm not going to come in and say, hey, this SOP should be done this way or whatever, <laughs> uh, which I think is really good. And we're very, very honest about that. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to tell people how to, hey, this is how you should do your job or not. Um, but in saying that, as one of our, I remember one of our partners said it to us, they said, hey, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to think outside of the box when you've never been in it. Um, it's a cool kind of take on it. So that's what, that's what I've been leveraging um, my thought process on from kind of here on in. But um, why safety? Well, first off, Slap yourself on the wrist there because safety is actually an incredibly fun market. And the reason I say that is because every person we talk to in the space is sound out. You know, there's no there's no asshole culture in, in safety, which is great. And I think that that's something we did. So a bit of background about the company. We're just over a year old. Um, and my co-founder and I known each other since we were like 12 years old, uh, kind of growing up t- together. Uh, he was studying a computer vision PhD and I just uh, sold the previous company. Um, and we kind of did the reverse. We didn't say, hey, we want to do something in safety. How do we do it? We said, hey, we've got computer vision and artificial intelligence. Where can we apply it, like you said there? And um, yes, you could look at any market. But one thing we really wanted to do was, was try to do something um, that had a purpose. Not so much like, hey, we want to make a huge difference in the world. It was just that did it have a purpose to, to, yeah. to improving someone's lifestyle or improving how people work. And the reason it came around, we, you're right, we did look at like where we put it. We actually started looking at shopping centers first to see if we could see crowd flows, like in boots, where do you put the shampoos, those type of things. Um, but uh, again, not real big purpose on it, bar making uh, companies more money on that of where to put product placement. Um, and then one day, Kieran's uh, aunt, who worked for um, uh, Procter & Gamble, um, she came in one day and she talked, she was quite upset, and uh, she talked about, a death that happened on site got into it and she said you know uh, they thought it was a freak accident but when they went back through the cctv 
which they did for all the accidents. They noticed that the behaviors that led to that were actually happening day in, day out, week in, week out. And that was our aha moment. It was like, okay, cool. can we use computer vision and AI to um, identify these behaviors that lead to them? But a cool thing which Kieran's PhD was in uh, is computer vision and privacy. Um, and that's where it comes into moving away from the stick, you know, the stick that beats the worker. Uh, that's actually the total opposite of, of, of how AI should be approachable. We can chat about that maybe yeah. uh, in, in a sec. For sure. No, I really like that actually. I, I think I think we kind of kind of go there now because I think sure. that would be probably a, a big concern for a lot of people that I might bring this on. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of preconceptions around tech and AI that I think we'll get into as well. But is, if you are talking to a customer, like, is that a con, is that a concern for a lot of people? Do you get that fed back to you? Like, oh, I don't know. We're taking all this data from people, GDPR and stuff like that. Like, and and that that privacy piece that must be. It, a concern for a customer how do you kind of have that conversation yeah well, well when you pull back ai in general we use we use ai in the in the vision sense you know computer vision and stuff like that but ai in general it's still a super 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 early market or, or technology or market or industry yeah. so when you apply it to like different things and, and the biggest the biggest thing of the the pushback i feel anyway is is not knowing what it's about um because when you say AI, ai can be anything and straight away you go to the whole big brother approach or uh, uh, where they're watching us, you know, uh, you know, there are two workers in the warehouse, or in, that's terrible. I don't know the accent for the big brother guy, but um, uh, that's everything, which which isn't what it should be about. Um, and the reason for that is just because people don't know what, what what it's for. Yeah. So so how we've built the product um, in such a way, and which other people are doing as well, is this thing called um, privacy by design. Um, and what that means uh, is it follows this suit of, of, of person de-identification. So the last thing we'll ever want projects to be, or in general, like AI should be, is exactly like you said, a finger wagging exercise. You didn't do this right. You know, pull James into, into the office and say, hey, you need to be doing it this way, X, Y, Z. Um, the way you get around that is, and, and the way what we do it, is, is you manage by the collective. Um, that's why I said at the start, safety is a behavior, right? So I, I know that for sure. Um, and behaviors aren't a one person or another person. It's usually a collective um, side of things. So what we do with projects, and if you think of safety as a timeline, you have your, your proactive safety, you have your incident happening, so accidents occurring, and then you have a reactive safety approach. Um, how uh, people, when they, when they think of this, happening is you know as the accident happening a buzzer goes off we identify james you gotta you should stop doing this whatever um and then you have your reactive safety which is your reporting aspect which is an incredibly important part of the process but then this proactive side of things is really where ai can help um where you're not saying you know putting people in and saying don't do this or being because that's still reactive they've still done it it's identifying the behaviors months and months and months before uh the incidents occurred uh, and that's by managing by the collective. So what we do and the way we do that is things like you can blur images. Um, you don't identify, you mentioned earlier GDPR, the thing called uh, is a personal identifiable information, PII. Um, don't pick up any of that. And um, so it's not a case of um, doing it by the individual, you're managing by the collective overall, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah. So so in a way, the, the AI, obviously the camera will see it, but then the AI says, no, that's not relevant to me because the algorithm, whatever tells me I'm not allowed to look at that. So it's, so it, so is it kind of, 
um is it kind of, is it anonymous then or, or yeah, yeah. So, right. absolutely yeah yeah wow because wow. because it is because you do like when you say ai in, in general you, you go back to, you know the star wars star trek kind of thing of it's it's like something living in a box like a living breathing thing that's looking at it um but it's not it's just a technology yeah. um that can be applied, applied applied for the better that's awesome so Oh, I like that. Actually, so it, I, lo- I love that you kind of, and obviously that, like you say, that's, that's bred into, into your co-founders kind of PhD as well. So it was always a, um, always a thing, but I, I like how that you, you, I like just the word design, privacy by design. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of eliminated that, that even if, like every tool that we can make can be used for good or bad, right? Like the internet's an amazing thing, but like we also do some pretty nefarious shit on there. Mm-hmm. So like you've kind of essentially tried to design people out of being able to use your your tech as a as a finger wagging kind of exercise. Correct. Yeah. It's about it's 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 a tool, right? It's it's not gonna say, hey, this person is bad. It's a case of saying these are the trends. So your facility Think of the, I think near misses are a great one, right? You know the Heinrich Triangle or Bird's Triangle, um, yeah. stuff like that. Now, obviously, there's people that are you know uh, debating over the, the the validity of that. Um, but in essence, it says you know uh, for every fatality that happens, there's about 29, 30 minor injuries that will happen before that, and these like three thousand unsafe acts and near misses that happen before that. How safety works now is it can work very effectively on the top half of that pyramid where someone gets injured, we can do something about it. But safety at the end of the day is a data game. Um, it's about how much data we have to make a decision. Yeah. And if that's based off reporting, that's a very small subset of what's actually happening in a facility um, at any point in time. Um, whereas if you can identify those 3,300 things early, you can stop it getting to the top of the pyramid. Yep. But like I said, near misses. If you think of near misses now, um, if you said, hey, you shouldn't do that. Um, I, I always compare it to coaching a soccer team. So if you tell a player, they put, they put a cross into the box and you say, what did you do? That was a terrible idea. They're never going to try it again. Yeah. You know, they're never going to do it again. So that you don't want to bring that fear aspect into, into it with using AI either. So near misses are an interesting one. Because if you think of near misses, if, if they're not picked up and not identified, they keep happening and happening until they're not a miss anymore. And that's where things get dangerous. And that's not from one person or one worker whatever it may, may be, that's a collective side of things within um, within a company. And they're the type of things you can spot using AI from a person's de-identification. Yep. I, I love this. I also love that you touched on Heimrich Triangle and the, the argument about the validity of it, which I think is really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Because because the, the only person I trust in that conversation is a gentleman called Carsten Bush, who's done the most amount of research into Heimrich than anyone else no okay. one has done any more research into into him and he and, and into heimrich other than him and his intention was to try and find out what heimrich was trying to communicate mm-hmm. because how we've used the triangle it doesn't make sense right how can a hundred slips tell us that we're going to have a chemical explosion it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense so to that point that's why people are having a debate about its validity right so Carson kind of gone back and said, um, has kind of gone back and tried to find out what, what Heimrich was trying to say. And ultimately what Heimrich was trying to say was for the model, the triangle and the numbers is really just an illustration for people who are not 
they were not kind of uh, they wouldn't have been called safety professionals back when Heinrich kind of um, did his work, but they're not like people who understand it like he does. Um, they were more for like the operational people. His target audience was like business owners and operational people. So he made these drawings to simplify it, to help yeah. them buy into it. And actually all of the writing around it, all of the context for, for, for you to actually take it forward, we don't talk about. And actually he was really pretty clear that what it means is for each risk type, so if you're having a thousand near misses in in quotes for fire related stuff, that could be a signal that you've got a big problem that could cause a fatality or a big fire, or you're having loads of slips on chemicals. It means you might have a chemical related problem, which means that might be a signal that something deeper is going on in the system. Um, so yeah, I, I, for me, that it makes a lot of sense when we talk about it like that. And ultimately that comes back into what I really love about what you guys are doing and the notion and the, the tone and the vision of what you're trying to do um, is to just make data-based decisions, better informed decisions, which essentially is what Heinrich was trying to say. Collect mm -hmm. loads of data at the bottom of the triangle because that will tell you what might be going on further up the triangle. And essentially that, that for me is where I think tech plays a massive, massive role. Cause we're shite at that, uh, mm -hmm. gathering data and making better decisions. We're, we're pretty crappy at humans. So for me, that's got to be like a, just a natural place for data and particularly AI to come up and go, Hmm. Not only, I mean, here's a question, I suppose, actually, Dan, like can, so the data, the, the AI collects all that data, whether it's now or in the next evolution, can the AI make those predictions to say you might have a problem with workplace transport, for example, or something like this? Yeah, the way we look at it, and, and, and that's the biggest thing, I think, I, I don't think you can ever take people out of the the the, the, the equation, for, for especially for safety. You know, as much as it's we're, we're not great at making decisions as, as, as humans, we still have to make the decisions at the end of the day because you can't base everything off that you can give recommendations all right um but you, you you hit the nail on the head there it's it's moving and at least actually was saying this as well it's moving from you know data-driven decisions to data-informed decisions mm -hmm. um and, and just opening up that that thing so that the, at the end of the day what, what we do and what ai can be used for is is a, a visibility tool and not just visibility of what's going on but visibility about what what's the unknown unknowns we always say that to 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 our clients is like yes you know um you know near misses are a problem or yes you know that um uh people you know uh, lifting boxes incorrectly or lifting stock incorrectly is a problem what are the things you're not too sure on yeah that you don't have data on uh, and that's really where where ai can come into the, the, the fold people will always be needed in safety there's no doubt about that but it's how you complement the existing health and safety stack that you're using mm. That's the important bit where it's working alongside it, yeah. um, not a case of being, you know, replaced. I think that's the fear as well. Like it's that, oh, AI is replacing my job and stuff like that. Uh, but if, if you've ever watched a really good one, if you've ever watched um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the new one, not the old one, uh, yeah. the weird, the weird Tim Burton one, um, yeah. where where Charlie's dad's replaced by a, um, a toothpaste lid or toothpaste top um, machine that puts the the caps on the toothpaste. And then he ends up being working alongside us at the end of at the end of the movie. Um, uh, sorry, incredibly random analogy, but it's exactly that. It's robotics, AI, all that type of stuff isn't here to replace what people do. It's to make it 
better and make it make jobs easier and and, and more fulfilling uh when when we get to it at the end of the day no i like that i like that and and can i mean is is it will it evolve into a position where it might be able to tell us that we're not that we're focusing on the wrong in the wrong place that it might be able to just give us a prompt like a nudge at the board or the safety professional to say look i'm in telling you for months like but now you're really not listening. You have got a problem here. Mm-hmm. Like your next big incident might be, statistically speaking, might be here. Um, yeah. Well, it can do that now. It can do that now because you're, because it's a data play, right? It's 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 case saying, well, you've got um, like one of our clients, um, named the clients specifically, but they had a case where they put in protex um, to identify the unknown unknowns, and they built it. The rules around it said we're not too sure about this but this is what could be happening um they had a bunch of data of the events that came up uh they then went and retrained staff based off the data that they had and they because if you have for example you know 50 near misses you're going to say okay that's an issue in comparison to maybe 20 last week so that in itself would tell you that there's an issue around that yeah you know you don't need you don't need the big flag on it you can you yeah. can like, read a bar chart fairly handy on, <laughs> on what's on what's going up or not um but then they did a retraining and they, they increased compliance by 43 percent within a month um but that was just be, purely because it wasn't because we had told them what to do or anything it was purely because they had the data to make that decision yeah i i wondered that like for me i like i really like the concept of like a lot of if i think from like like a like a fire perspective a lot of a lot of problems that we have with with big catastrophic fires is is more often than not and, and that's the same with many other big big disasters but like if i suggest use where i'm probably most experienced in a fire in that we've got a housekeeping problem we've got a construction design problem and then we've got a people problem and then we've also got uh ignition source problem and often we very much look at them very in their own lanes so we're like a house housekeeping oh just got to keep it tidy air it's not very nice to have a dirty workplace um and we we struggle sometimes i find to put the connections into things that are they're really obvious ones but like sometimes they're much more subtle than that in the if we're uh, if we're trying to take say like the Bradford football stadium fire where we solve the problem of the people buying one ticket going opening the fire exits to let all of their mates in so that they didn't have to buy a ticket we solve that problem by chaining the fire exits now with the power of hindsight we can all sit here now in 2022 and go what a stupid decision but at the time it made sense to them because they were trying to solve that one problem and not realizing the subtle connections between everything else. If there was a fire, they would all go to these fire exits and ultimately, um, you know, not be able to escape. Uh, For me, I think like AI excites me if we use it correctly on, I don't know, like my lack of my naivety around it is that it gets more and more intelligent as it, the more and more it does can it get to a point where it's so intelligent that it starts putting those real subtle stuff that we can't see together and go in, actually, I think we've got a fire problem. Like, what fire problem? Our fire assessor didn't pick that up. Do you know what I mean? Because it's essentially more intelligent of us when it comes to like the real subtle stuff. I don't know. Is that, is it ability to evolve to that point? Or is yeah. That- interesting. It's an interesting take on it. I guess, I guess the same way as, um, you know, us not being the set in the safety realm, being really good at computer vision and AI, and thinking outside the box. Mm. 
vice versa you know and we've had we've had lots and lots of you know clients doing the flip side of them knowing it and say and then pushing the ai so saying hey we don't know ai but we know lots about safety how can, how can you create you know the the perfect blend between them um it, there's no reason why not you know and that's the cool thing about where we're going like i said at the start ai in general is really really early um and and it's about using it to 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 identify these exact the exact things so that the the chained uh, fire exits for example a couple of things that could have picked up on that was okay well how many people tried to approach it or tried to try to open this and then left um it's 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 really being there when 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 you can't um but again it goes i think I, I think it always will send back the, to to what data it's bringing in uh, and then using that data yeah you're right the next step would be to the system would then use that data to say okay well well maybe you need to be looking at this um but i don't think it's many miles off either which is a cool thing about it um and, and and how we use it um i think tech adoption the, when you look at like the health and safety uh market and the industry of how that's evolved over the last 100 years you can kind of see how it's how tech's definitely creeping in because you have you know originally started with 10 days since the last accident signs on the, on the doors which is still used today um to you know companies like eco online or you know, safety culture or any of these companies coming in and digitizing that process. Mm-hmm. So taking it from a reporting aspect or those type of things and now bringing it online to so do your onboarding online instead of doing it, you know, another way. And then you have your reporting where people can do those reports. And that's an evolution, a technical evolution. Now there's this new evolution now bringing AI um, into, into the fold in order to improve that data pool even further. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next step is is to see if AI can can help even, even more on that front. Yeah. I love it because we're so like, like, like we kind of touched a few times. Like if we, if we're using it to, f- to fill the, the weaknesses in, in being human and to complement the, the, the good things of being human. Like I think about literally doing a fire assessment yesterday, real simple little error. So easy done. They've got obviously had a mad rush of like old pallets or whatever. So they've got like this massive buildup of like old pallets and the bins and stuff. And it's you, if you go inside the building, you end up going through a fire escape into this external route at the back of the factory, which is very often forgotten because whoever goes at the back of the factory. Um, and that ended up walking straight into a pile of pallets because I'm doing my job. My job is to move the pallets and put them outside the factory because they're waste and the bin man's coming in a couple of days. So we'll, we'll give it to the, to the bin company. But if, uh, you know, I might have just a simple, simple tool of having that camera there that picks up, hang on a minute, that there is a means of escape. And then that pings up on somebody's computer to say, you know, you need to move that. It's just a simple thing that it yeah. fill for, it fills the whole of, sort of human fallibility. And I think if we use it like that to help us instead of using it being like, Dan just blocked the fire exit, so tell Dan off. Dan, you're an idiot, that's a fire exit. But if we just went okay, cool, we've just done that and we'll fix it or whatever. And then it happens again, then it happens again. Okay, now we've got a problem and people keep putting some stuff there. Um, let's let's do it. But like immediately we can fix that problem because the AI mm-hmm. spotted it and let us know. We can actually do that now. That's one of our features, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, so it, it, it's uh, exit block detection, uh, which is what we do. So it, it, it's really cool how that's done. It basically takes like an image of what it should look like when there's nothing there. And then it takes an image of when there's something there and it compares the two of them and says, hey, there's there's a pallet left there or something like that. And you can, uh, the way we built our our, our product is uh, you can actually 
dictate the outputs. You can say, hey, I want this put to my event logs. You can log in and look at it. You can have different integrations, but you can have like a text message as well. So if the health and safety manager has like their phone on them, send them a text to say, hey, just let you know, exit blocks, uh, or the, uh, there's a blockage on the on the exit and they can go and clear it. Um, what I really like about that, Dan, is that that then becomes a nudge. So if if it's a point where I'm getting a text every 10 minutes because this one particular exit keeps getting blocked, right? And my phone's going fucking nuts. I'm going to get so pissed off with it. I'm going to be like, we've, we've got a problem. So it, it nudges us to like fix a problem instead of just keep going to Dan in the dispatch area. It keeps putting the forklift right next to the, the truck. Instead of me just going, stop being an idiot, stop being an idiot. Because it, we've just, Dan's gone on holiday and now Steve is doing it. And Steve's doing the same thing. It might nudge us to make a better decision to go, we're not fixing this problem by just telling the person off. So there's, there's a problem. Oh yeah, well, to be fair, that area is really cramped. Um, so it becomes a bit of a nudge for, for, for me, which is something I think we struggle with in safety is nudging people at the right time in the right place to make better decisions because ultimately like marketing do such a better job of it because tech so easily slots into stuff like that. Whereas it's harder to slot into safety. So when I look at this, I'm like, we can use this not only to make better decisions, but also to nudge people at the right time to make better decisions. Yeah. And, and that goes back to managing by the collective. You know, it's not a case like that's just one example, but like those near misses that I, that I spoke about there, you know, it, it's, it's how you digest that data. You know, like, is, it, is it there and then you need to know? Probably not for near misses. You kind of need to know from a collective because if you go, if you're looking at everything, oh shit, I got to go down, you know, finger wag, come back up. That's, that's not what you want to be doing. It's about, okay, well, how many did we have this week? And then you understand, you start opening up these questions and, and, uh, and, you know, saying, well, we had like 10 on a Thursday morning. Why the hell is that? And and that's where I meant about complementing um, safety professionals. It's not a case of, oh, the AI will decide. That's what I meant. Yes, you know, it can suggest stuff. But at the end of the day, especially like from our perspective, we don't know facilities half as much, a tenth as much as our customers or clients will ever know. Will know it. They're going to know it a million times more. Mm. What we do is we provide the data to, to, understand, to, to understand what's happening but the decision of how to apply that data is purely down to the to the local local people for it, and that's what I meant. They're complementing health and safety staff, not replacing it. Which which brings us on to a really interesting discussion. Then, is the safety profession competent enough to? Are they IT literate enough? Are they data literate enough to use your tech? in the way that it needs to be used, essentially. Like, none of us are data analysts. None of us are trained in real IT in any way, shape, or form. Some better than others. Um, like, is, is, do we, I don't know, let's have a discussion. Like, is that an area of where our competency needs to up its game? That, that's a really, really good question on it. Um, and I think the way, the way we look, look at it, I think any company coming into any organization, if you, if you have any analytics around it, um, the onus of that isn't on, uh, the onus of that isn't on the user being the safety professional. That onus of making it digestible is solely on the company to do that. If the company gives you this, you know, Excel sheets and whatever, and you're like, what the fuck? And I got to do a whole change management and training around it. That's not a good company or not a good piece of technology. Good technology and good AI, good analytics should be 
and anybody can come in, you know, your, your, your granny could come in and say, geez, I know exactly what's going on in this facility, which is, I don't know if you want to talk to your granny about that. Probably, probably more important things at hand. Um, but it's exactly that, you know, it's, it's, if it's, if it's good technology and it's good analytics, you should be able to walk in and, and scroll through it the same way you go scroll through an Instagram feed or scroll through your Facebook, whatever. That's how easy it has to be. Do you not run the risk of, of like, oversimplifying it by doing it, by doing that? No, no, I don't think so. I, I, it, it's, it's not making it, you know, um, uh, I don't think there's such things oversimplifying it because if it's at the end of the day for us uh, and, and for any technology um, to come into it, usage has to be really, really high. Because if, 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 if in the first 30 days you're not using the tech, then it's it's not really applicable. Like yes, when you look at AI and stuff, it's a really sexy thing when you bring into it and it's exciting. But if it can't mold into and complement how you're doing your job now, and you have to change loads, you're just not going to use it. Yeah. You know, um, a, a really really good kind of a, uh, example, a totally different industry now. But there is a, a yogurt company, uh, I think they're UK based, and they uh, tried to tackle the uh, Chinese market. Um, they did a load of market research on it entered the market and had all the taste tests and they loved it. Um, and then when they put it into the shops, no one bought it. And uh, everybody was like, well, what the hell? We did all the tests and whatnot. And they found that uh, at, at the time, um, and, and still to kind of now that, that um, the Chinese don't use spoons and don't have the accessibility to spoons as much as, as you know, we do in the, in the UK and Ireland. So they went into it. They 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 didn't give, have a good ability. So that's the thing. It, it didn't mold into how they how they live their lives. Um. So then they they ended up putting a plastic spoon in the in the lid, like you have in those ice creams, and it did great after that. But it was suddenly so simple where it wasn't able to mold into how people live their lives on a day to day basis. And because of that, nobody used it. Uh, same way with analytics. It's the exact same thing. It's it, if you can mold into how people do it, whether it be a daily digest email, and you have four or five things. What what are the things you really need to understand in those? That's what molds into it. But if it's not there, and uh, that's mean the onus on the company to ensure that, and they have they have the duty to do that. And if they don't, then it's not applicable to what you, what you should be using it for. Yeah, no, I really like that. I think that's somewhere where a lot of the time when a company has gone out to procure a piece of software, typically in the past, in my experience, which would be like a CRM system or something like that, like the lack of conversation with the shop floor is is shocking. And then we give it to the shop floor and we say, use it. And it doesn't work. It doesn't fit them. It's not people centered in any way, shape or form. And then we just moan at them because we've wasted millions of pounds installing, I don't know, XCRM for, uh, and, and, and it's their fault. And we're like, well, we, we never ask them to try it. We never ask them to tell us if it works for them. So, yeah, I really like that that you've kind of, it's, it's just making it people-centered really, isn't it? Like user experience is, is yeah. something that you talk about, we talk about a lot in sales, marketing, and I suppose in tech as well. And any tech, like even when you pick up your phone, you know, when you uh, and how you, how you integrate or interact with your apps on a phone, has to be self-intuitive, you know, even just a slide thing. I met, I've actually met the guy, um, youth worker Instagram, who, who invented the infinite scroll. Do you know you just keep scrolling and going? And uh, it was funny, actually, just, uh, just to digress a bit, how he did that, uh, they, they focused on, do you know the slot machine, where you pull a slot machine and the thing spin and you wait and wait and wait, and then it happens, you get that little hit of dopamine. That's why you have a little spinning emblem on when you're loading pages. 
is, is for that reason because uh, it's like that slot machine um uh, replicated into 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 social media but on those type of things you should just when you log into it you don't need any training right you don't need to like say take a take a course in instagram and if you do jesus you need to be doing something else um or anything like that you should, you should just be able to use it and technology in general especially in the safety realm it's no no uh, uh no exception it should be a case where you just come in and you're able to use the platform yeah well, again, that's that's another nudge, isn't it? Simplification is is a nudge. Like if we can simplify something, so it doesn't need to be this real complex uh, conversation um, for us to make a better decision or the decision that we want them to make, then um, we're just nudging them in the right direction. I love that. Yeah, so that, that's why we use video in in Protex because it's a universal language, uh, and everybody, you know, you watch a video, you know what's going on, um, and it's it's easy to digest. So that that's 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 why we're kind of we moved into the computer vision space. Yeah. So, like, what what kind of um, I mean, we've we've kind of touched on it, but it might be really interesting to really get into it and really um, kind of make it make it blindingly obvious. Like, what kind of problems are safety professionals trying to uh, are trying to navigate that you would be like? that that's us like that's our perfect problem that we can solve like um yeah like what would you say would be like yes that that is the perfect problem that we can help you with yeah um again it got pulling it back a little bit from that using vision um you can do a whole heap of things so if you think of um uh sensors you know the wearables and stuff people use that's gotten uh, quite popular in the last five, five six years and they're great don't get me wrong, but they're very specific or task specific. So like manual handling, how you lift the box or um, and like that is, is very specific and you have a specific sensor for that or a heat sensor for fires, something like that. With vision, uh, because you're looking at a video, you can do a whole bunch of things. Uh, you don't need one specific use case for it. So we do things like, like I mentioned, near misses a few times, manual handling errors, so how people lift boxes. We've got things like um, uh, no-go zones, inclusion zones, walkway detection, um, speed detection. You know, are, are, are forklifts hitting corners too quickly? Are they driving straight through, through junctions, um, picking up all those type of things? Um, so, so there's no specific one use case for it um, using vision uh, in, in your um, uh same way, you know, you'd use it where like the, the Premier League is really well for for um for offside traps and stuff like that, for it's a goal, you know, that type of stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's just using using clips for it. Um so there's no specific one use case for it. Yeah. Well, I really like this because I like to throw a spanner in the works of of how of our of how we practice in safety is there there is just not a lot of chatter, right? About like, you know what you you go on site, what what's the probably one of the first things that you will don when you go on a construction site? When our, us ourselves or in general? If you go in any construction site, you're just going to see a mate or you're going to see a customer. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You're, just, you're going on a construction site. One of the first things that you will always put on. Oh, you're your PPE. Yeah. You're, which, which one? Pick one of them. Oh, uh, I would have said... Go on. The hard hat, but but I know that it's probably going to be high vis or something. Yeah, yeah, high vis. So yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking he's going to say hard hat or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vis is like the the like cornerstone of safety, and like painfully it is. Um, but like, but yeah, 
workplace um, transport interactions with humans just still kills a shitload of people every year. Yet we wear high-vis as a automatic reaction, like putting on pants and shorts and shirt in the morning, we pretty much put on a high-vis. And, and there's part of me that's going, it's not working. It's, it's not working. So when I think about like, if I'm managing, if I go back to like when I was in distribution and manufacturing, um, we had massive warehouses and loads of trucks whizzing around all over the place. And it was like high vis. Like you cannot go past this point without a high vis. And you know, you know oh, you're not wearing a high vis, you're not wearing a high vis, blah, 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 blah. And if we then to take, go back to like the, my original concern of how we're using AI is to just slap people on the wrist and say, um, you're not wearing a high vis we would be ignoring the data that's telling us something isn't working. Like something's not working here because we're still getting loads of people hit by trucks. Um, mm-hmm. so, so for me, it's just like, like the, the problem is we're not having an impact in what we're doing. We're still having incidents. So the problem is we're not got enough data because we don't know where the real problem is. And for me, having that, that big eye in the sky, essentially, you know, that can look at it and go, pick up all of this data it's, it's just the problem is not having enough information to make better decisions for me and, and yeah that, that's an example of where it excites me that's a really really good one so i, I spoke there earlier about like the unknown unknowns yeah so it's it, when you're looking at it from the outside you're like, well everybody's wearing their high biz but why are we still getting accidents so that's an unknown or that's a known unknown because we know that we, we know something we don't know which yeah. sounds it's totally paradoxical, right? But but it's it, it's really true, and 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 that it goes down to data again. Uh, of, of of do we have the the correct the correct data to make decisions? Because on the data pool you're going on there is well, we we know everybody's wearing their high biz. So where is the issue? Mm-hmm. Because they they're all wearing it now. Probably it comes into this whole space of actually I had an idea of a, of, of a new company where you could make a high biz that would change color every five minutes or something. Because high biz the probably well, I don't know, but maybe a hypothesis there is like the reason high vis people are getting hit is because it becomes background noise and because everyone's wearing one it doesn't stand out anymore um so if you can have one that changes color every like five minutes or something like that then that will kind of solve that problem maybe we'll keep that between us um and your your bunch of listeners everybody gets a one percent uh cut of this if they're, if they're listening um Proud fun. but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh that kind of stuff so it's the unknown knows and that stems back to exactly like you said do we have the correct data and the informed data to make that that, that decision yeah and there there is actually a bit like so there's a there's a really good podcast in safety called the safety of work podcast and those two guys basically take a question and then they're both kind of academics so they both just dive deep into academia to try and find an answer for that question so one of the questions that they've answered um is do high vis work do they make us more visible um so they went right do high vis make us more visible in visibly complex environments so to your point um, if everyone's wearing one, there's loads moving around, there's loads going on. So construction, manufacturing, distribution would all fall into that kind of category. Um, do they make us more visible? Uh, and pretty much the answer is no. <laughs> like the answer is straight up no. And the amount mm-hmm. of people I've said this to, and again, this is one of the things I've been, you know go on about in the podcast. So everyone's probably rolling their eyes, but it is it's just like the, the the evidence is not there to say that this works. So why do we do it? So yeah. look, if it's for commercial, let's just put our hands up and say, look, it's just the uniform now. That's it. Whether we like that or not, it's a uniform. Okay, cool. 
that's fine. Let's just put that to one side. At least we can stop telling everyone it's safety and we just say it's not safety, it's a uniform. And we can naturally now, once we've got over that hurdle, is actually start trying to make better decisions to actually have impact on that on that risk. Because it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, the, the only research they found was that actually you'd be better off wearing cuffs, high visibility cuffs and just waving because we're, our eyes are apparently biologically evolved to pick up movement more than anything else. So it pick up movement. And I just find it so ironic that we do the opposite. You know, the amount of sites I've been on that they say, right, if you come across a piece of plant, make sure you've got high vis on and just stand there and uh, wait for the driver to acknowledge you. Um, and then once they wave you through, you can go, right. So the, the biological research says don't stand still and do loads of movement. And we say stand still. Um, <laughs> it's so ironic. Um, that, and that, that's where this, this tech and, 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 and AI for me, that's where it really excites me is to make better decisions by just getting more information to help us make better decisions. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to look at it. Like, and, um, and it'll always stem back to that and it goes and it goes back to that original question we were asking of you know is this is it complementary or or or, or a substitution yeah. uh, and it's 100 that complement to it it's, it's, it's just to make it make decisions and again going back to the original bit is 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 why are people why do you get like that squeaky bum time when when you hear ai you know yeah. um it makes people uncomfortable sometimes yeah. um, but that's where it's that's where it's heading and, and it's and it, and it goes back to oh what can i do um, is it is it there to to totally disrupt it, or is it there to actually help us with our jobs? And it's most definitely the latter, in my opinion. Anyway, of course, people are going to pay so much. So, what what does what does it actually look like? Protex AI. Like, if I buy it for one of my customers now, we're like, yeah, we're going with this. What's what's that going to look like? Loads of cameras and, and a computer, as or, or or like, what does that look like? Sure. Yeah. So I'll try to explain it on a, on. A vision company just through words, uh, for but uh, uh, didn't think about that. We didn't think about that one. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, so uh, what we aren't is a camera company. We don't supply cameras. We don't uh, uh, do anything that we like with existing CCTV. Um, so you don't add more um, cameras to your to your facility unless you, unless you want to or that's in the plans. Um, and and how it works is it, and that's the whole thing about. Um, existing in, 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 a, in a, a company's health and safety stack that's there now. So we have a heap of integrations, um, both from logging in right through to how they use the platform. And we don't give the prescribed process safety. And, and that goes back to us not knowing or not having a background in safety. We have to make it flexible. And you, you mentioned a people-driven approach or a customer-driven approach um, to your product, uh, which is what we do. So we actually allow our, our customers to dictate what they want to identify in their facility. So we have this system that allows them to do that, to, to ask, to ask, and that's, that's how AI should be using overall is your ability to ask the questions and then the, um, uh, for, for the, for the system to, to, to give you the data to, to answer those questions, uh, for rather than answering the questions. Okay. And that's how we, that's how we build products. So you go in, you build your rules, say, Hey, we need to check out X, Y, Z. We have an hypothesis around this, or I'd be around this. And then projects can then tell you if it is, um, or give you the data really to tell you if it is, it is a problem or not. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So uh, 
Would you guys go? Would you guys like help them in the conversation? If I, I suppose, I suppose it would be a natural, it would naturally highlight itself if they haven't got cameras in the right place to look at the problem they want to look at. So, and and so then it would just be like you probably need to get another camera there. But to you, that doesn't make a difference. You so your your system looks at the existing image and just learns from that image. Well, that's that's fascinating. I thought it would be like some fancy new camera or something that you guys are putting. Yep. No, it's just based off the, yeah, it's just based off the current, the current infrastructure is there. Like it's, it, you're, you're not dealing with um, the camera itself. It's not like the lens that does it. It's the software. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. I thought, I completely thought it would be like the camera, but now it makes sense because there wasn't loads of cam- fancy cameras at your expo stand. If it was the camera, I'm sure you yeah. have loads of them. Uh, so yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. And then and on the flip side as well, I think like although AI can do lots of different things, it's still limited. Um, so we get like um, clients coming to us and, uh, and saying, God, this is so cool. And then, um, which I always have to get involved with, is people can get not carried away, but certainly get adventurous to what they can do with AI. So they're like, oh, it must be very easy to do this, this. We even, I swear to God, we had a client say, can you identify someone's picking their nose or something? Or um, we had another one, um, you mentioned the acknowledgement thing. So they said, could we um, identify if, if, if a driver acknowledged someone? Um, so had looked at them, this is a camera that's 50 yards away, had looked at them and acknowledged that they're there and then, and then, uh, and then let them cross the road or something, which is almost impossible to do that through, through a camera. If you can't see it, probably can't see it. Um, right. But um, it's on the flip side of that as well. Why did they want to know if someone was picking? I don't know. Uh, it must have been a hygiene thing or something. I you know the funny thing is. I I just think I, I just I just think it's hilarious that, that that's an actual issue for them. That I always say, you know, what's your biggest issue that you're dealing with? And pick nose picking apparently was, was one of theirs. So uh who knew who knew it was such an issue? Just let people pick their fucking nose. Like if they want to pick I know. their nose, just let them pick their nose. Like you, you know, and hay hay fever season's real strong this year, guys. So yeah. I think it should be a, a you know arise really at this stage wow well that is fascinating <laughs> how how do you if, if you get like um if you get like a a tone or a feel from a customer that you're like you're you're using our stuff as like a bit of finger wagging do you guys approach that or oh, that must be quite hard like does for you like because i imagine as a company like it's really hard for me if I've got a company that I'm working with that is like, you're not getting this, you're taking this completely the wrong way, you know, but do I want to walk away from money or that's really hard. Like, have you had that situation? If you're, if you're comfortable to talk about it, obviously if you're not, then we'll just cut. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. So I think uh, to look at it from another perspective, the companies that we've seen get the most value out of it are the ones that don't do that are the ones that look at it from a collective approach and, and stepping, taking the time to reflect on, rather than just seeing it as like, hey, and that's what I mentioned about that, you know, that timeline of safety, you know, we're not dealing with accidents as they happen. And the people that look at it like that, of trying to, to, to stop things as they happen, I guess, will you will always use the tool inefficiently or ineffectively because they're going to try to stop, you know, it's they're not looking at it from a trend side of things, which is what behavior is. Mm. The, the, the users that use it the best, um, like a shout out to to Alice at uh, at Martha Spencer. She's fantastic. One of our favorite users of it. She'll she'll sit back and say, "Well, what are we trying to figure out here?" Um, and then uh, uh, herself and James work together um, to figure it out and build your route around it, and then use it effectively like that. So I won't say 
companies um, are, are, are using, I don't think any of them actually, our customers are using it for that because they're always the forward thinking companies of, of how can we use technology for the better rather than how we use technology to, to, to fear monger around, around the facility. there's just so much potential as you were kind of talking about there and you mentioned marks and sparks and i was thinking oh yeah you can even monitor like you know the trends of customers and where they're going all the time and the routes that they're going in so you could think about it from a fire safety point of view means of escape point of view and it's just loads of information to be able to learn from and then it made me think about like all of the stuff that we're seeing on the the news at the moment about events like um what's the one that's been on at the moment like and there's a hashtag for it. Don't die at this festival. I can't remember. Um, like, I, I, I suppose temporary cameras are a bit bit costly for smaller festivals, but for the big ones, I imagine they've got loads of temporary cameras up. But like, if I'm a, say, a consultant working for Glastonbury, hashtag Glastonbury, if you do need a consultant, we would not do it. <laughs> um, you know, but like if, um, if if I'm looking at that, I don't be able to just get an AI scanning the whole place for me and going, you, you've got a bottle, bottleneck here of that you're about to shove a million people through. Um, because I saw, I was just thinking of a TikTok I saw the other day of this, literally this person watching a crowd of people there must've been thousands of people trying to cram through a tiny door. And it was just like, someone is going to get crushed like 100%. And just the ability of an AI to see all of these things because the security people on the shop floor, like we can focus in on them and then we can blame them, but they're in a moment doing a job that's completely overwhelming sensory wise. Um, if we had an AI that's kind of unbiased, you know, it doesn't have those human fallibilities. It can just look at it and then let me know, like to your point, like drop me a text and say, you might have a pop problem here. Um, mm-hmm. ah, and that, that's a cool, that's a great way to look at it because, and it's kind of what we, companies like ourselves do. It, it, it's being there when you're not. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually have a, 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 this company on Dublin Port, he's this guy called Mark and Mark is like, we basically put, Mark in a product form. So Mark is an operations manager on the on the board. And we we did a site walk with him. And as we're as we're talking to him, he's constantly like looking over our shoulder, constantly just keeping his eyes around. And he can't do it all the time, but he's he's amazing at it. But he's like 20 years experience doing it, you know. Um so we were like, okay, what if we had a mark everywhere uh at, at a time? And that's really that's really what what, what Protex does, uh, which is which is the cool thing about it. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's exactly it. It's identifying these things when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the on the crowd one, um, another cool kind of aspect similar to that is um, one thing we have an idea for. We haven't found the right um, company to do it with yet, but you know the um, uh, like on the tube or in train sessions of stations of not crossing the yellow line. You yeah. know uh, how often do people actually do that? Is that effective? Yeah. Are people not walking across it? But it's similar to the festival thing is like, are people approaching it early? So even think about before the crush is going to happen, like you said, hey, a crush is going to happen, send a text. What if you can go before that, like hours and hours or days and days before that? Oh, we just, first then we saw one person in, uh, being in an area they're not supposed to be in. And then there was 10 and now there's 20. So that's a whole thing of identifying it early so that you can get involved there and then rather than waiting until the crush happens. And even, even if you were to do a simple reaction model to like if we would take the the underground london underground example the the simple thing is the ai seeing somebody 
on or over the line, which then activates the speakers in the tube to go and please make sure you don't step over the line at the right time at the moment that you step over that. That's such a perfect example of tech utilizing a nudge at the right moment, a prompt to say, don't step over the line. We only do it when a train is coming in. Like we, and we yeah. say it once and that's it. But what if we said it every single time? So when it's busy, it's just going like mad and everyone gets so pissed off of it that they'll end up not going over the yellow line because you end. I think what you'll end up getting there is kind of like the crowd would manage it themselves. Like if you can imagine you're all sitting there and you're so, you've been living in London for like 20 years. You're so fed up of this, this finger and, you know, don't step over the line. The second a tourist comes, it goes to step over the, the crowd would be like, whoa, 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 da, da. Mm-hmm. Ah. and you, I can see it now that that's how that would work so well, I think. Yeah. So- and even what if you could go even before that? What if you could say, okay, well, rather than doing it as a person stepping on it, what if you could say, well, X amount of people do it on a Thursday morning at eight o'clock? Yeah. And we know that. We know that even before they've done it. Yeah. So we know that every morning at eight o'clock or at 7 50, 58 to put that thing on. And that's again like going the proactive reactive. Proactive is identifying the trend yeah. and then knowing months in advance of when knowing exactly when you're going to do it, or even noticing at, at 8 50, 8 a.m. on a Thursday morning. Now we need no one to staff. Then that's when we need to know, we need to do our site walk at that time because we know that that's an issue. Then rather than someone's walks across and then do the buzzer. Yeah, mate, I love that. I love <laughs> that. So there's so much you could go with this, isn't there? Like it's getting it's getting ahead of the curve. It's getting ahead of the curve with safety, and and now the tools are there to do it. Not just not just like what we're we're doing. Like we oh, we've got an awesome partner called Strong Arm in the states who use sensors for 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 that. We've got. You know, so many cool, cool safety companies coming out in this space that are that just on the cusp of it. Like it's a super early. We're we're at this new wave of safety revolution. Whereas you know, beforehand would have been likes of Evo Online and and Evo and or Evo whatever called there. Um, all those type of companies that 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 changed the game when they came in. Now it's this new step, and even the safety professionals now, their tech, they are getting a lot more tech savvy. Um, you know, there's a whole new wave of, of people coming into the industry um, who are trained, not only trained like in, in, in university, but also trained on how to use technology. So yeah. why not? Why, 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 why can't we utilize that in order to improve the safety across the board? Yeah. Love this. Love this. I just like I'm, I'm like I'm talking about nudge loads because I'm like really gone into like nudge over the last couple of months and really trying to like reading loads about it and seeing how sales and marketing and I've used it so well. And, and again, there's a great example of like subtle influence or nudge or whatever you wanted to call it, like choice architecture is another phrase for it, all of that stuff. Um, and there's a great London, um, London underground example actually where they had picked up the, Waterloo to London Bridge was like the busiest part of the London Underground at, you know, like business times, like half eight to nine kind of time. Um, but the the walk was only like a 15, 20 minutes. I'm, I'm nicking this, by the way, from the World of Work podcast. So if anybody mm-hmm. wants to find out the the first person that I'd heard say about it was Jane on the on the World of Work podcast. Um so yeah, and um, and she was Jane from London, and she was kind of explaining like it's a it's a complex walk, but it's a reasonably short walk. It's only like twenty minutes, but it's really windy, and you would easily get lost. So London Underground put signs up and leaflets and stuff with maps to say. So they basically what they've done is re- reduce ambiguity 
is they've, they've reduced that ambiguity and said, you know, it, here's how you do it. So they've reduced the complexity in a way um, and said, off you go. Um, and, and they've reduced the, the congestion. Um, so for me, it's like, again, it's uh, how how did they pick that up? How long did it take? Did did it take an incident to happen there before they spotted that? Typically, that that's what happens is something goes wrong, and then we go, well, maybe we'll deal with this. And for me, where this like to your point, and we've we've kind of going over our ground now, but that that thing of being able to just that computer to be able to tell me, oh look, here's a problem, and then I can use my thinking outside the box, safety professional now, sort of, uh, okay, let's come up with a solution here. Um, but, but it's knowing where to look to your point mm. or Mark or whatever his name was. Like I can relate to that. Like wherever I go, I'm like all the time can't relax because you're trained to do it. Like, you know, as an operational person or as a safety person, you are trained to just constantly look around everywhere. So it, it might just mean that less safety professionals are exhausted um, because uh, the, the AI is kind of doing it for them and they can go, Oh my God, I can have a rest now. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's what I always say. It's like especially when you're not there, you can chill out. Or we got a we got some clients who are on multiple like multiple sites, so they got to drive around each site just to do a, a site site walk or an audit. And we're like, boy, well, just use the system like Protest and just have it in there, and you can just log in in your in your dressing gown on a on a on a on a in the morning, just be like, hey, I wonder what's happening in in here, and set up your rules accordingly. Um, uh, for it, but. And that's a really good take on it. And it's, it, that's, that's one, I, I guess I never really thought of, like how quickly can you spot the problems? Um, and if you're doing it by a, a physical way uh, or a manual way, rather, that's that's a lot harder to build, to build it. It goes back to the data. You know, how long did it take to get that data in order to know that people are taking those windy streets uh, for it? Um, and then did they did they make the map simple? Like you were saying, the analytics, they make it simple enough for them to say, hey, this is easy. I can go, go and do it. Um, so it's, it's that whole step approach to it. Well, imagine if we took like, if we took the, um, that, that again, coming back to events, you imagine if you had like a couple of cameras on the top of the stage, looking down at the crowd, thousands of thousands of people, and all you've got is security at the front around the edges. You can never see what's going on. But if you have cameras looking down with Protex AI kind of doing its thing, and it's able to pick out, I don't know whether it is, but like able to pick out a human that's like, you know, unconscious and it, and it notify, boom, there you go. Now that security guard can immediately react Wait, instead of waiting for the crowd or the singer or somebody to go, there's a problem there. We can actually have, you know, these computers actively looking for something like that. we can react immediately. Like not only is it about making better decisions to stop that stuff, but also enable to have like a quicker reaction time to this stuff. Like from, the potential here is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we our, our primary, primary, uh, you know, customers in ports, logistic, warehousing, you know, th- those type of things, uh, or distribution, um, and and they kind of use it for that. It's building up the data points and how quickly you can do that. Like I said, that you know, Marks and Spencer within uh, just a few weeks were able to hugely increase their compliance just because it was something they had had before and, and bringing in this, this this system to to build up that data in order to make the, the data informed decisions. Yeah, it's all about that. It's it's the speed of it too. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So, what does um what does the kind of process look like? Let's say I'm I'm a safety professional and I listen to this and I'm like, oh, this sounds really interesting. I might I might give Protex a call. Like, what's that kind of journey like from ringing you guys to 
it's up and running. Um, typically, like, what's it? What do we do? How does it look? What are the kind of critical points throughout that? How long, and so on. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, 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 just talk through that. We we're, we're super fast on our end for sure. Uh, so it's usually like, uh, it, well, well, twofold. Onefold, like I said, we don't have a safety background. I just love talking to like this type of stuff and learning. Even like you said, you know, you're you're constantly looking around. I'm finding myself doing that. We went to the NEC in Birmingham and I spotted two guys not using this, the the. Uh, the uh, the walkway effectively and it, it really rustled my feathers um at the time but i feel like i'm just fully becoming one of my own well, you know well, clients well, or customers yeah well. yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> um slowly but surely now i'll just like i'll just uh, wear a high vis for fun when i'm watching tv uh from now on um but um uh so that, on that end i'd love to just chat to people on what they think you know i really really want just like what do you feel about it what are your views on ai and what, what not um on the flip side if, if, if it's protects of interest and and you want to explore with us with that from from kind of sign off and when you're you're happy with it um uh we we it's about a five week period so once it's implemented what happens then is that the the ai essentially learns what's what in a facility what the people you know where um what is i is what the year it's generally forces can look different kind of different from each each facility that kind of stuff and then within kind of that process you the onboarding like training um you know as as, as much as it is intuitive uh, there has to be training and and usage making sure that you're getting the most out of it because no point in you know we probably have a um or like a uh, uh over, overly involved with our, with our customers sometimes just like hand holding the whole time um so we actually had a customer tell us to feck off they're fine um <laughs> they, they could use the system okay they didn't need our help we're like, okay great that's fine uh so we're super needy um but uh but we very much hold our, our customers hands through the whole kind of process too yeah awesome awesome so so how long did it take like the ai to to learn does that take a long time before you start whipping data out no, no, like two, three weeks, less than a month, usually. So within the matter of like literally signing and, and getting all the, the the boring financial stuff in the way, which from a startup, that's not the boring bit, but it's, um, you know, once you're getting that, that boring stuff out of the way with, it's um, it's sort of like literally a matter of a few weeks and really before you can start getting some, some, inf- some data coming through. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and you're you're predominantly working in so where, where's most of the interest coming from at the moment? You said ports manufacturing, did you say? Yeah, manufacturing, logistics, distribution, um, what kind of areas are we in? Um they're kind of the main ones where it's a, a, a uniform like a pretty static um facility, if you think of like like rack space and stuff like that, all that type of stuff. Um, but that's where the most dangerous and, and those unknown unknowns are really funny. Like we had one client who thought people were running to a facility, turns out, uh, they're actually using the, which I'm sure everybody's done using the, um, the, what do you call it? The lifts for lifting like the pallets, the pallet, pallet truck trucks, just as, as a scooter, yeah. um, going around the place, things that everybody does them, but they just identified that was a problem because I had someone fall off of it like a, a few weeks beforehand, yeah. um, those type of things. Um, so the other ones are were definitely most impactful on and waste management as well, massive one as well. There's been a lot of a lot of injuries and fatalities that over the last year or two. Um, so yeah, the type of industries we work with. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Uh interesting actually, just uh, a kind of similar but but not it wasn't AI, it was just a, a waste company I did a bit of work for. Um I did uh, what did I do? I was doing a fire assessment and it was really interesting actually. They'd um 
they'd spent a lot of money on CCTV um, because they were um, a metals manufacturer and a precious metals manufacturer. So this company will take all types of metal, but they'll also take phones and things like that and break all of that down and pull the metal out. So it was a lot of money on site, like a lot of money. Um, So their security was like, I genuinely thought I turned up at the wrong place. I thought I turned up at like HMS Belfast or something like that. Like I was just like, that's the only prison I could think of actually. But like, um, yeah, like I, I thought I turned up at like a prison. I was like, Jesus Christ. Uh, no, wait, that's a boat. Is a HMS Belfast a boat? Anyway. Anyway, I'm trying to think. I don't think that's a prison. I think it's a boat. I've never been so, well, touch wood. Um I'm going to Google that now. I've just, I've just embarrassed myself. That's a boat. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I thought I turned up at a prison. I'm not going to try and think of a, a name of a prison. Cause obviously that would be embarrassing. Um, and, um, and anyway, we were talking away and I was talking about often I talk about security when doing a fire assessment from an arson point of view. And um, we were talking about, and he was like, Oh, we spent like millions on our security. And I was like, yeah, I can tell. And he was like, actually, it's been really helpful from a, from a fire point of view. And I was like, okay, right. Like from an arson point of view, he said, no, we were out like on a Saturday, just not working. Site was shut down. And um, we didn't notice a, a battery essentially had been kind of, I'm in amongst a, a skips of, of metal and it started getting really hot. It's, we've got infrared sensors on our camera and that picked that up before any smoke, any flames, any nothing. It just picked up that something was getting real hot and it sent us a, a notification saying there's something warm in your yard where something warm shouldn't be. Um, we turned up, by the time we got there, it started smoking and um, we moved out to the middle of the yard. And by the time they moved out to the middle of the yard, that's it. it basically just went and started on, on fire, called the fire service, they got rid of it and blah, blah, blah. Um, if they didn't have that camera, um, the whole yard would have gone before before the system or somebody else called the fire service. Um Jeez. So yeah, it was it's amazing the potential of this stuff. And as far as I'm aware, they didn't have AI; they just had their infrared. Um, so if they had AI, you know, you imagine the potential then uh, on the back of that. But yeah, just a little mm-hmm. anecdote for yeah. But it goes it goes back to the the, the triangle, you know, of, of spotting those. How many times even before that was, um, you know, did it get kind of get kind of hot or something like that? And if you had an infrared camera, you could probably pick up those things automatically rather than having to have someone in the right place, right time. Yeah. Is there, so you're kind of working in like manufacturing and distribution. Is is there like a sector or an industry that you're like, oh my God, I'd love to get Protect AI in there. Like that's where we want to be. Is there like an industry you're desperate to get your teeth into? Um, that sounds different. Um, I don't think, no. Not really. One, one funny one we came across, which is we actually were talking to NASA for a bit. What? Swear to God. So weird. They kept messaging us as well, and I was like, "Are these guys talking to the right people?" Um, and uh, that was a funny one because they speak to speak about mission safety, and we we're like, "I don't think we can do that." And I went back to our like technical team, and I was like, "Okay, got a random one for you." I was like, "Can our system pick up aliens?" No, and um, <laughs> we uh, was able to pick up that kind of stuff, but it wasn't. Um, but uh, that was kind of a random one. It was not something I think we do. We, we've, we've got some, we've talked to some really cool companies. Like to be fair, we've, we've been very fortunate in being able to do site walks with some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, I can't name them now because I'm wondering like yeah, NDAs yeah, and yeah, stuff. Like them, but, yeah. but, some, but some really, really cool ones. Um, some of the top ones like Fortune 5, like Fortune, yeah, 
50 companies as well, um, which, which are cool. Um, but what I what we've noticed, I guess, is that everybody shares very similar problems. Yeah. Um, you know, it's these near misses, it's walkway. I, I think the more we look into it, you know, how horizontal health and safety is uh, across multiple verticals. It's really interesting, you know, of, of, of and that's why I think, I, like, going way back when we started, like, why safety for us? Um, I think it's the cool thing is because every it's not a competitive thing that companies do. It's not like, hey, my company's safer than your company, and they're like, ha, like, all that kind of stuff. Everybody's super willing, even this podcast, you know, super willing to share how they're doing safety, how do you improve stuff, and that's that's why we kind of got involved in it. We noticed very early that everybody's super willing to to share, and that's what I meant about loving just to chat to people um, about what we're doing and how maybe they see it, it, it being applicable to their to their workplace. Yeah, mate, I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you very much for for that, buddy. If um if people wanted to get um hold of yourself or the team at Protect, I want to talk to you about kind of uh, just chat or to move forward. What's the best way to kind of find out more about you guys and and, and move forward? Sure. Yeah. So so our website is www.protex.ai um or just on LinkedIn. My name's Dan Hobbs again. Um. For, for anyone listening, feel free to, to drop us a line on that. Like, um, we're, we're trying to find some some really forward-thinking people on and to chat to. We're do, we're doing a um, um, kind of interviews with, with a lot of people at the moment and making a user group. So, if anybody's interested in getting involved in like an AI, not just look, not just around protests, just AI in general, and a user group around that, we're we're, we're very willing to uh, to chat and would love to have the opportunity to. Awesome. Amazing. We shall put your LinkedIn and your website in the description below for everyone. Um, thank you very much, Dan. I really enjoyed this chat. It was, it was really- yeah, me too. We should made, made, made a good evening of it. It was good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that conversation. There's lots more to talk about of AI. It's definitely not the end of the conversation for us. I think we need to get a lot more kind of tech people on, AI people on, people that are innovating and helping us do our job. And like we said in the podcast, fill the holes of us just being poor, complicated little humans. Hope you enjoyed that. If you did, don't forget to check out all of Dan's LinkedIn, the website for Protex AI as well. If you need any help with any of this stuff, well, not AI because that's not us, but like if you need any help with like the safety stuff, we can definitely help you out there. Check out riskfluentlimited.com. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.